Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Hey, I do want to uh, say happy Valentine's Day to everybody. It's good to see everybody. Wave hi for everyone who's streaming the service online. I want to welcome everybody into the room. And, uh, you know, yeah, I want to underscore um, one of the things I, I love about our church is that we are a church that practices what we call ancient future kinds of things. So we'll sing contemporary worship and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. We'll uh, observe the imposition of ashes as a way to remember. Uh, I always share this. We have a little funny story when the church is very young. Uh, and and we had a we had a year when the kids were singing and they came in with palm branches and we got all hyped up about this and we said let's make take the palm branches that were left over and we'll we'll use them and next year we'll do Ash Wednesday service so it was the first time we ever did it we made our own ashes and it didn't go real well they were really gritty and um, we didn't just put the ashes on people's forehead we carved the ashes into people's forehead. <laughs> And so right now, we still say, like, if you go to anybody that's been in our church, say, like, 20 years, if you look real close, you can see the cross. It's etched into their forehead. That was that was awesome experience, but anyhow. Hey, take your notes out. We are going to dive in. Today, we're going to bring to a close uh, our series we've been working on called Getting Your Life Back, Get Your Life Back. And we have been uh, focusing our conversation, focusing our attention, focusing our look at Holy Scripture uh, around a conversation about our souls. And uh, we've been doing that kind of work together. Uh, We have been um, thinking about uh, our interior lives. And uh, I was thinking about this recently. Um, We're we're out of a, a theological tradition where uh, some of the forerunners of our faith, people like uh, Whitfield and John and Charles Wesley, would gather bands and groups of people together, and they would. Uh, it was customary in those bands or groups for them to ask this question: "How is it with your soul?" And uh, I, I think you know, right now we are living in a world where everybody has a stinking opinion about everything. Right? Yeah. Come on. And um, right now, that is so true. And I think, you know what? We would all benefit, I think, if we were to learn how to have some conversations about our souls and do some interior work. And this is kind of the thing that we've been drawing our attention to. We have built uh, our series around a theme verse. And I said, we're going to read this verse every Sunday for these six or seven weeks together. We're going to put it on the screen. I want us to read it out loud. This is the last time we're going to make you read it, ask you to read it. And I want us to read it and just lift the roof right off the building, okay? So this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. These are Jesus' words. And here's what he says. Let's read it. Ready? Go. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here's what we've been saying in this series. We've asked everybody to look at that verse really hard and ask yourself this question. Do you think that's true? Do you think that Jesus can actually bring Uh, rest for our souls. And if you do think that's true, and you're a follower of Jesus, 
and you're not finding rest for your souls, here's what I want to tell you. Newsflash, you're not doing something right. That's what I want to tell you. I don't want to, I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, but I, I have learned in my own experience that if I'm living the Christian life and it's not, it's not offering to me what the king of creation says it should offer to me, I might want to examine the way I'm living the Christian life. And this is really an important uh, concept. And so we've been asking ourselves this question. How is it that we find rest for our souls? And we've given you some identifiers, some markers, if you will. We've said this. If you want to find rest for your souls, we think it happens this way. We've said pause. Several times throughout the day, just take a moment and pause and pray the simple prayer we're, we're teaching people to pray. Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. I was in the grocery store this past week, and and you ever you ever you ever get in the uh, this this is probably going to reveal something about my character. Do you do you do you ever do you ever get in the 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 ten or less lane? And somebody, I mean, I think there ought to be grace if it's twelve or thirteen, right? A grocery cart, there's not enough grace for that. Uh, and and this person got in, they were like, they were breaking all the rules. And I found my, I found myself getting angry at that. Come on, y'all. And I was like, man, this like, cause I just had my three little things. I was well, well within the range. They were way over the range. And then they went out and got in their car and they had a community of hope sticker on the back end of their car. Probably related to Trevor. That's all I know. I love him. Man, did he crush it last week? Man, I, wa- I watched it. I was, man, I told him. I called him right after. I said, man, you did good. You're going back to the East Campus. So, anyhow, I need to move on. All right, so pause. We've said, we've said um, here's how you can grow your soul. Slow down. We've said nothing spiritually transformative happens in your life in a hurry. We all have to learn how to slow down. Uh, and, and I think that's really important. My wife says, whenever we pull in the neighborhood, she said, it only happens to me that the, right before I pull in my neighborhood, a car pulls in our neighborhood ahead of me, and they drive two miles an hour. And my wife said, I'm convinced it is the Holy Spirit working on your character. She said, I'm convinced. I said, does it ever happen to you? She said, never. <laughs> Only with you. So we have to slow down. Then this, uh, get outside. We looked at a scripture, Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. And we live in the most, I mean, we, y'all, we live, people fly down here to go to vacation. Or they used to fly down here to go to vacation, right? Don't get me started. All right. Uh, unplug and focus, focus on Jesus. Last week, our, our, my pastor approached, uh, preached on uh, that we should remember who we love. When I, I, was, I told him this week, I said, uh, when I was growing up, I was impacted by a student minister. I see Rebecca's here. Can we honor Rebecca, who's our student minister? And Rebecca's doing great work, great leadership. And my, my student pastor, I'll never forget, he read this verse one time. He was talking about loving God, and he read this verse out of the book of Revelation. I was a young follower of Jesus. I'd never heard this verse before. And, and, and this is the verse. This is, this is how John 
uh, says it. He says, you know, the angel of the church at Ephesus to the angel of the church in Ephesus, he goes, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you don't tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. You've persevered. You've endured hardship for my name. You've not grown weary. And, he, and, and I remember my youth pastor preaching on that going, you know, those are really the marks of what it means to follow Jesus. And he got all of us in the room to be going like, yeah, that's awesome. And then he read this next verse. But I hold this against you, the Spirit of God says, because you have forsaken the love you had at first. And, you know, there's this moment we're all cheering, and then we're not cheering anymore. And the verse goes on, you know, consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. And I think every now and again we got to ask ourselves, I mean, are we... Are we doing the things we've done to keep our faith real? Paul put it this way. He said this. He said, examine yourselves every now and again to test whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is inside of you unless, of course, you fail the test? Man. And so these are moments right now where we're, we're looking at our interior lives and we're just asking the simple question. How are we doing? How is it with our souls? And I told Trev a couple weeks ago on our teaching team, I said, you know what I want to do? I said, I think we need, before we close this series out, we ought to, we ought to just have a, a little bit of a talk for those of us who are really fighting some battles with our souls. I said, let's just don't do all this kind of work that is saying, hey, just do all this stuff, which is good, we, we need an acknowledgement in the room that life is heavy right now. We need a, an acknowledgement in the room that all things are not good. You know, a lot of times when we're singing, right, we sing in faith. We're not saying it's all rosy. We're saying we're believing in a day it will be rosy, right? And so I said, we need to do this. And I thought of this passage of Scripture I want to read to you, and I want to make some observations through it. Uh, this is, and it's so cool because this week we'll... We'll begin the season of Lent. We'll, we'll start. We'll have Ash Wednesday together. Those that come, I'm going to carve the cross in your forehead. We're going to do all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and this is the precursor verse of really the season of Lent. Jesus is with the disciples. He's predicting his death, right? So let's get the seriousness of this. But he says a thing in here I want to focus on. So here we are, John chapter 12. Jesus says, now there was, or, or, or John writes, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at a festival. And they came to Philip, uh, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they came with a simple request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. We want to see him. And Philip went uh, 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 to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Little side note, anytime Andrew's mentioned in the New Testament, he's telling somebody about Jesus. Watch it when you read it. Whenever you see Andrew, he's telling somebody, he's introducing somebody to Jesus. And Jesus replied, the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life for this world will keep it for eternal life. He's just saying, get your priorities right, right? He said, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? No. It is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
And then a voice from heaven comes down and says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there and heard it and said, it thundered, but others said an angel had spoken to him. And then Jesus said, my voice was for your, uh, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And the crowd spoke and they said, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? And then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Before darkness overtakes you, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself away from them. Let's pray. God, say something new to us. Would you, would you in this space, God, scrape off from our hearts the residue of remembered religion, the residue of an inherited kind of faith? And would you give us an ability, Lord, to hear fresh bread from you? Because, God, we're here and we need it. Man, we need it. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said Amen. So let me say some things about this real quick. So we know this is the fourth gospel. Uh, We know a third of this gospel comes from a personal conversation with the disciples in the upper room. This this portion that we read, certainly. Uh, We know that the events of this gospel where we read come just prior to Jesus' betrayal, arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And uh, here's what I want to draw your attention to just for a brief moment. This passage of Scripture holds intention, okay? Uh, One of the mysterious theological points of the Christian faith, here's the tension, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. That's the tension. It's It's called the incarnation. It's one of the most beautiful truths of the Christian experience, we can get our mind around it in a way, and then I think there's a mystery that we'll carry with us until we get to heaven and we more fully know it. Jesus was fully God and fully human. We're going to study, when we uh, go through the Lenten season, uh, a very important passage of Scripture. You can mark it down now and do some homework if you want to. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, where, where, where Paul is trying to explain how Jesus comes to this grand moment where he empties himself and becomes a servant to the point of death. And so we're right here in this unique moment. And and this is a real moment where I want to focus today, I think, and we'd be helped by it, on the on, on not the divinity of Christ, but on the humanity of Christ. This is a passage where the humanity just pops out. And we see it in, in John chapter 12, verse 27a, where Jesus just says it this way, now my soul is what? Troubled. Now, I'll give you a little, uh, give you a little help here, uh, something that I practice in my faith when I'm reading the Bible, which is almost every day, not every day, almost every day, 
And when I'm reading the scripture, uh, I try to make particular note of anything that, that seems extraordinary, especially when it comes to Jesus. Uh, when it says like this, Jesus was amazed. I think we should stop. Like, what is amazing to Jesus, right? I mean, I mean, Jesus is Jesus. So when he's amazed, I'm like, I want to know what amazes him. I want to try to be amazing to him, right? Or Jesus was troubled, or Jesus was moved. And this is one of those moments. Jesus, now he says it, now my soul is troubled. And this is that classic moment in his humanity where, where the humanity and the divinity is coming into play, and he's literally going, Lord, I wish you would take away what I'm about to step into. And then you'll notice the next verse, he goes, I'm not going to step back from it. This is why I'm here. Pray, praise God, right? On this side of religious history, thank you, Jesus. But I, but I think it's important to know, man, he, he, there was a moment of wrestle. There was a moment of struggle. And in this moment, what I, what I think about, what I, I, I think is important, is that um, we ought to look at this and we ought to go, you know what, if Jesus was troubled, how did Jesus handle it when he was troubled? Because maybe the way he handled it is the way I ought to handle it when I'm troubled. And by the way, let me ask the question, anybody troubled? Right? This is, we are in the season of trouble. Right? It's weird out there. And I, I made my own list. You probably have your list. I mean, you know, uh, illness, COVID, work, family tensions, work-related issues, loss, grief. Uh, I'm meeting with a group of friends right now, all of them pastors around, around the country. And I'm working with a group of pastors navigating some difficult stuff that we see in the horizon in our own religious tradition. And we're trying to figure out what does that look like for us? There's just a, just not good. And I was talking to a friend this. We were on a Zoom call this week. Zoom calls are already awkward. Aren't they awkward? Oh, I'm so done with it. And I was noticing a friend of mine that wasn't, he didn't seem to be tuned in. And I, at first, you don't know whether it's just the whole Zoom thing or not. But then I could just tell he was, you know, he was struggling. And finally, he just kind of cuts through this conversation. He goes, I need to tell you all, he goes, my, my church is in a difficult place. And uh, he says, you know, man, I got, I got people mad at me because we wear masks. I got people mad at me. We don't wear masks. I got this going on. He just named all these things. All of us on the car going, been there, got that, done that, yep, got, yep, you know. And then he just like, he just burst into tears. And he said, my heart is breaking over this. And I, I just, you know, it just reminded me again, we're, we're in a struggle. And I, I think when we're struggling, first of all, we don't want to walk too fast through a struggle, right? Uh, one of the mentors of my faith, I think I've shared this with you before, he, he told me young in my ministry, he said, you, he said, be the kind of pastor. He said, here's the phrase in my mind. He goes, I pray all the time. He says, Lord, Help me lest I as some will. Help me not to be the one who walks by a Calvary, calls it a hill. Be, you know. 
I remember a, a, a very difficult thing that happened early in my ministry that, that really sealed this part of our conversation with me. I was a young in ministry uh, in, a, in a role similar, say, to Trevor's. And I served with a pastor who would, uh, he taught me how to greet. He said, after the service, man, don't, don't you know, like, greet your people. So you'll notice I like to be out there with you guys. I don't like to be in another place, you know. And uh, I had gotten to know this guy in the church. We had just been there this brief amount of time. And I, I, he was a little older than me, still a young guy. He was single, wasn't married yet, you know. Or, and, and, he, and, and, and I just, I remember he had this bubbly personality. I remember, I remember being a little intimidated about him because he dressed the way that I would dress, but he had money and I didn't, you know. And I, I just, I, I remember that. And, and, and I preached one Sunday, and he was going out, and I went to shake his hand. He shook, he shook my hand. I said, how you doing? He said, I don't know. I'm struggling. And, and he went out, got in his car, and drove off. And, I, and he didn't come to church the next week. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I didn't see him. And then, and then about a week later, we got a call at the church, and some of his extended family had said, hey, pray for him. He's kind of like, we don't know where he is. And quick as a flash, when, when, when we learned that, I remembered him going out, shaking my hand, going, I'm struggling. And, and, and a, a week went by, and, and in the Stewart News, there was this weird kind of story that came up about a guy that was out on the causeway at night fishing, fished there for 20 years. And in the middle of the night, this car came racing down the causeway and just blew through the marker and just drove right into the causeway. And but they couldn't find the car. And and then three or four days the story's in the Stuart News. And and they started to make fun of the the fishermen. And they said, I, I think you're making it up. And then the fifth day they found the car. And my friend was in it. And it was a moment for me as a young pastor that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, don't ever be the kind of person that just assumes everybody's okay. Not everybody's okay. And I don't know about you, but I'm comforted when I could look at the humanity of my Savior and your Savior and learn that he had a moment when he wasn't okay. That he gets us. He identifies with us. And so when I see this passage, you know what I think about? I think about, you know, Lord, what do I see in, embedded in this passage of Scripture that I might be able to put into my life that would help me when I'm troubled, that helped you when you're troubled. And I noticed some things I want to give them to you. Here's the first thing I think I noticed. He, Jesus faced his pain. And I think that's what he would say to us. Face it. Face it. He, notice what he says. Now my soul is troubled. He named it. I think there's a great lesson here for those of us who struggle. C.S. Lewis put it this way. God will whisper to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. 
Praise God for that. But when I look at Jesus, I notice a Savior. I notice a Lord who, who faced it. He named it. I think there's a great temptation woven into our culture these days to avoid painful things, to minimize them in some way. And I know as a pastor, even so more as a Christ follower, that some things cannot be circled around them. In fact, the way I say it is this. For some things in our life, the only way past it is through it. I, I spend an inordinate amount of time in my schedule, or sometimes I want to say used to, with, with, with people who have tried to step around a certain difficulty in their lives and watch it circle back around and have to repeat it or deal with it again. And Jesus is inviting us to just name it, to name it. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, we have, even in our, our vehicles, right, they have, a, they have lights that go off, Right? You know what happens when you avoid a check engine light, right? This is, this is what happens when you avoid a check engine light. I would recommend that you don't do that. Okay? The only way past certain things is through them. And all of us have areas of recovery in our lives where I want to remind you the only way past it is really to go through it. I've shared this before. I know I don't want to belabor the point. In, in 08, when my father passed away, um, my faith got, like, pushed. It, like, just kind of challenged my faith. And I, I'm going to own before you all today some stuff popped out that I didn't like. And, and I had to, to kind of deal with it. And I had to, I had to, what I had to do was, you know, it was kind of a moment for me that, you know, I felt like God's Spirit was saying, you know, you've been preaching all this stuff. Now you get to practice some of it. And, you know, you, it's important. And, and I think this is a great thing. I, I, the other thing I noticed that Jesus did is that Jesus would say this. He would say, acknowledge your pain to someone that you trust. This is really important. And I, I think there's a double-edged sword here, um, not only for those of us who are hurting that we would find somebody that we would talk to about it, but here's the thing I would say too, for many of us, we're on the receiving end of that. How do you, how, how do you receive it when somebody comes to you and they're, and they're struggling, they're hurting? I thought of this this week, Trevor and I were looking at a, we remember to quote by Henry now and such a great man of God. And he says this, he says, listening is much more than allowing another to talk while waiting for your chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. He goes on, he says, it's the beauty of listening that those of us uh, who are really listened to begin to feel accepted. We, we start taking our words more seriously. We start discovering our true selves. Listen to this. He says, listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which we invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, even to the moment where they may dare to be silent with you. Wow. And uh, when my parents took me to seminary for the first time, uh, we took a picture. They were dropping me off. It was like the moment, I think, where my dad was going, check, 
I have a, there it is. And, uh, and uh, years later, I tried to find this picture. This is unfair because I couldn't find it, so I can't show it. Uh, my mom has it at her house. I think I gave her the only copy. When I went, when I finished my doctoral work, we went back to seminary and we were going to celebrate this moment. And I, by now I had a wife and two little girls and my parents were with me. I put them all in that same place and we took that picture. And we said, here we, here we are now. And I can get all emotional about it. But it was so cool because we were coming back down I-75 after this celebration. And we were coming through Tennessee, and there's this moment where, uh, where it says, there's this, all these signs that say, see Rock City. How many of y'all have seen that? Skip it. Don't go there. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but anyhow, there's this, there's, this, uh, there's this place. It's called Sea Rock City, and then there's Ruby Falls. And, and we went to Ruby Falls, and, and you walk down into this. You go down into this cavern, and you see this beautiful like waterfall in there. But when you go in there, there's this moment where they turn off the lights. And it is like, I mean, it is a darkness like you've never seen before. Like you can't see your f- hand in front of your face. And we took the girls down. The girls loved it. My mom was horrified. She said, do not ever, I'm never doing that ever again. And, uh, but right in the middle of this thing, like when the, some, the lights are out, you can tell people are getting antsy. They leave the lights off just enough that everybody gets antsy. This little kid goes, don't be afraid. There's someone here who knows how to turn the lights back on. <laughs> you know? And, and this is what I want to say. All of us need a friend who's going to tell us the lights are going to come back on. Might not look like it right now, but there's going to be a moment. Might be some things that are different. But you know what? When we live in faith, we live in hope, there's a, there's a space. The lights are going to come back on. Don't we need to hear that? And when I look at Jesus' life, I just notice he faced his struggle. He acknowledged it before people he could trust, the disciples. And then this is the most powerful one, I think. He acknowledged it before God. And this is the last thing we're telling you about how to grow your soul. And it's this, invite him in. Pause, slow down, get outside, unplug and focus. Remember, invite. Jesus wants to walk with you through it. There's a moment when the disciples are struggling and uh, Jesus says in John chapter 68, verse 69, uh, he's speaking to them about important things. It's been a terrible moment. And Simon Peter just looks to Jesus and he says, you know, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I pray that prayer over every single one of you, everybody streaming the service online, that you will look around your life and you, there will be these moments in your life and you're, you're going to go, you know, Lord, where else am I going to go? You hold the keys of eternal life. And we have figured out that you are God in human flesh. May that be true of every one of us. Now, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to close in prayer, but this is what I want to tell you. 
If you've never asked Jesus, you know, to, to begin your life with God, if you know, you, you've learned he's a savior, let him be your savior. You learned he forgives sins, let him forgive your sins. You know, he wants to live uh, inside of you. Ask him to live inside of you. This is a moment to do that. But, 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 but many of us in this room, here's what I want to ask you to do. We're, we're going to sing a song, and I want to say during the song, take a moment and invite God by his spirit into your burden. Lord, right now I'm struggling here. I invite you in. Let's see what God can do. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you use this space and would you use this time to do, oh Lord, what only you can do as Keith and the team lead us, we want to invite you into our burden, our trouble, our spot, our thing. Be merciful to us, oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus over all of my friends, those in this room, those streaming uh, the service online, that God, that song might become a prayer that comes true in our life. God, right now, would you just give us the courage to bring everything before you, the stuff that we can't go around, we gotta go through. Would you make a way, Lord, where there is no way that it looks like to us? Do something fresh, do something lasting, do something, oh God, eternal, we pray, as we give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Go in his mercy and his grace. We'll see you next weekend. Praise God.